We have just sung the gospel of Christ, which is a very simple story that God understood our need, but it went beyond just knowing our need. We're told a very profound reality in the scriptures that before the creation of the world that Christ was slain which meant that God recognized he has foreknowledge he didn't just predict that but he lived in the he lives in the future so for him that's not a big deal to know that we would need a savior it was revealed to him by our humanity and our sin and our the breaking of God's commands that it was clear that we would need a savior but I want you to imagine for just a second that if God were in heaven and he had this information that had been revealed by our need of having a Savior and he stopped right there. You see, we wouldn't be sitting in this room. It was not enough for God to know. It wasn't enough for God to be aware of our need. He had to act. And he acted by sending his only begotten son to earth in other words he took that information and that revelation of our need and he did something with it in the same way it is true for us as human beings stop the average person on the street and ask them if they know the story of jesus most will some won't but my guess is that most will and it's easy very easy to say that we understand the story, we even believe the story, we agree with the story, but that does not restore our relationship with Christ. As God had to apply His love by, by sending His Son, we have to apply that revelation that Christ is the Savior of the world and apply it to our lives through faith and say, God, I need salvation, not just a universal revealed truth that Jesus is who he is, but I have to apply that. Today, that's what we talk about. We're in this conversation of, of talking about what does it really take to change or what does it take to really change because we can talk a lot about change, can't we? I know I do. And yet there are times when we're actually not changing or we're changing in some sectors of our life, some dimensions, some parts of us, and other parts not. And those are the parts that God will always come to us and say, man, good job on the forgiveness thing, but now let's start to work on the greed thing or the serving thing or whatever that thing is for you. It's so, there's such a myriad, uh, a variety of different uh, places that we're all in in a big room like this with so many people. Today, we're going to continue, obviously, this conversation on change. Perhaps one of the more challenging and difficult stops because it's a tangible stop. There are some times where we talk conceptually, but I thank God, and I think most of you do too, that God didn't just conceptually love us. He tangibly loved us. He didn't conceptually have a salvation plan. He had a real salvation plan. The apostle John said, of Christ, that which we have touched, which we have heard, which we have seen. God's love became visible. Our change must too. Today, we're going to, to come through this, uh, this uh, conversation on what I want to call the Amazon Trail. Let me explain. Our oldest son is now 10 years old. And he is to the point that he is inquiring about how to purchase things online. It's scary, my friends. It's very scary. He sees old dad purchasing a lot. The shoes that I'm wearing today were purchased online. The glasses that I have on my face were purchased online. They were cheap. I can't see all that well, but I got a good deal. If you know me well, I got a good deal. No, literally, I bought the frames online. 
I saw them in a, an expensive store, went online, ordered them for $200 cheaper, took them to Lens Crafters, and had them in oh, about an hour. And I'm still wearing them, and they're doing great. So my son sees me buying a lot online. So this is the anatomy of how to purchase online if you were going to Amazon. Now, I'm explaining to my son. So I say, look, here's how we do. We start on uh, Amazon. This is a book, by the way, that I, uh, I enjoy. I uh, have read it. A wonderful book, small commercial. But this is what you get when you come to Amazon. You say, hey, I'm going to search for the book, and it comes up. There are different parts to this website. You won't be able to read the words, but I've circled it here. This is the information about the book. We, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. We need the right information before we can change. We need to know what it is that God wants us to be. We strongly believe that Christ has called us to be disciple makers. Now, that's easy to say. It's talked a lot about in churches, especially now, if you don't, if you're not traveling in those circles, discipleship has become a hot word. Actually changing in order to do it is a different story. You may already in your life have information about what God wants you to become, what he wants to change, what he's working on in this particular chapter of your life. But information we understood was, was not enough. We needed a revelation. In other words, what are some hidden things that we want to know? In other words, um, you remember Peter last week. He was like, okay, he hung out with Jesus. He saw Jesus speaking with non-Jewish people. And yet when it came time when, uh, when Christ said to Peter, Look, I want you guys to go into from Jerusalem to Judea to that's hard to say to <laughs> Judea to Samaria at the ends of the world. Of course, it meant non-Jewish people, but he still didn't get it. He knew it, but Christ had to send him a revelation, something that was hidden from him. There are times in our lives that there that we have blind spots, and there's someone that God will send to us and say, "You may be unaware of this, but." you're obnoxious or you're weird or you're greedy or you're too quiet or you lack courage or whatever that thing is. And we're like, wow, I didn't know that. It's impossible for us to see all of our stuff and all of our blind spots. They need to be revealed. So if I'm going to buy this book, I want the revealed stuff. In other words, is the book crummy? Is it worth my $5.95? So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to go up to the reviews. These are This is a place where you have a, a wide range of people like, this is the worst book I've ever read in my life, to uh, this is the best book in the entire universe that my husband wrote. And then you, you, know, you have to kind of look at all the rest of them and say, is this a book I want you to reveal all that? So watch, in our lives, we can have this information and the revelation, but we're still not changed until we take it to the next step. And when you look at the top right-hand corner, there's a little shopping cart that has the number zero. I can read about the information about this book. I can get a revelation, the revealed things about what others think about this book, but listen, I still don't own the book. There can be information that God is sending me, as we saw last week, through his word, through prayer, through a revelation, uh, from God speaking to my spirit, through another person, through experience. But there comes a point in time where I have to say, okay, I'm buying it. I'm applying that to my life. One of the most challenging elements of the Christian faith. Why is it that so many of us know what to do and yet we don't quite do it? You see, if you've been in the Christian arena for any amount of time, just think about how many sermons you've heard, how many books you might have heard, how many... Um, podcasts you might have heard, all how many TV shows, how many Christian movies or whatever that may be. We have a truckload of information and revelation coming to us. But the, if we were honest, we'd say, but 
the application, the clicking to put that in my cart, that's the tough thing. We're going to go back to Peter today. And I want to say to you uh, from the outset that we're going to use Peter and the early church as a picture, but knowing that they are dealing with something that we don't normally deal with in our everyday life in America. But the tension of change that we see in this book is amazing. So don't get lost in what they're dealing with, the specifics, as I'll explain in a minute, but see it as a picture of what you are dealing with, what God is changing, trying to change in you, what God is trying to change in your family, what God may be trying to change where you work or go to school, what God is changing even in our church. So we go back to Peter. Let me bring everyone up to snuff. Peter was reticent, hesitant to open up the gospel to those who were not Jewish. Okay, we don't deal with that today. Most of us are not Jewish. There may be someone in the room that is Jewish, but for the most part, this is not a tension like, wow, should we share the gospel with a certain nationality, with a certain faith background? Should we share this with a Jewish person or a Muslim person? Or what? No. Today in America, we're open to share with anyone. But this was a tension point for them. And for some reason... Even though Peter was getting the emails and the documents from God, he couldn't quite get it. Last week, we saw that he had the aha moment. In other words, he had this revelation from God. You remember the blanket came down. It came down three times. It had the reptiles, and God said, eat this. And he said, I don't eat this because I'm a Jew. And God's saying, look, I'm trying to send you a message that I'm opening up the world. We're going to get past your comfort zone. We're going to get past what you know. See, when God is trying to change you, even our bad habits are comfortable. We're comfortable. We're cloaked sometimes in our habits. And when God says, can I begin to, 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 to rip that away from you? We're like, oh, we kind of hold on tight to those because we don't know what it will mean for us to let them go. Certainly, certainly, in a church that is pushing an edge of saying, gosh, we're looking at a bigger picture that the church in America is not achieving, not uh, what God has called us to achieve, what God has designed us to do and being disciple makers and, and really doing it rather than not. We're looking at that and saying, man, we've got to make changes because the numbers are proving that we're not really accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in our life. That will be uncomfortable, big surprise to make any kind of change. So Peter is visited not only by God, but by somebody else to bring in change. We pick it up today in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, if you're, if you're turning there. Now, let me uh, jump into the classroom for two minutes. If you've read through the book of Acts, it's really the fifth book of the New Testament. You've got the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, in case you're not familiar with the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have this book, the Acts or the Actions of the early church once the Christ had gone into heaven. Now it was their turn to take over. So many moving parts that you can get lost in this book of Acts. But let me kind of break it down to a simple thing. There were two locations that were major uh, places of action in the book of Acts. Jerusalem, where it all started, and a place called Antioch. Jerusalem was very familiar to everybody involved, to these new Christians. They knew it well. They hung out there. The customs of Jerusalem, very, very familiar. It sends a picture to us today of the familiar way that we love to have things. Antioch, on the other hand, was the city that was happening. It was the New York City. It was the place that God was going to say, man, I'm going to do something different here, and I'm actually going to now break out of the Jewish people into the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, in Antioch. Are you with me so far? One more thing. Two major locations, Jerusalem, Antioch. Two major players in this story of the book of Acts, 
Peter and Paul. Did, wasn't there a rock group by that? Uh, there was a Mary in there somewhere. Sorry, yeah. And so you got Peter who starts off. And he's wrestling with this change of like God is asking me to do something different to reach out beyond the Jewish people. And then you got Paul who completely gets it. He's like, man, I'm down with this. I'm going to go right away to people who are not Jewish. Here we go. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles, now this is after God has come to Peter and say, hey, look, we're, we're going to reach out to the Gentiles. And he had the aha moments like, okay, I get it, right? The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. In other words, it was universal information. Everybody was getting the emails. It was on the front page of Amazon. You could click right there and get all the information. Breaking news, CNN, Fox News, whatever you watch, breaking news, the Gentiles are coming in. Watch what happens now in, uh, in, in Amazon. So you go up to the next page, and now it was Peter's turn to have to say, I'm going to be tested. I know they're going to come in, but now if I'm going to own this, if I'm going to apply this, I'm going to have to click right on this thing that says add to cart because otherwise I'm not owning this truth. You see, Peter could have said, man, I got it, but in a moment of testing, in the moment of testing is when we'll know that we will only have revelation or we'll have application. You see, I know I should be kind. I know in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is not easily angered until somebody cuts me off in traffic. It's in there in the original language if you look close enough. It's in those moments I can apply all day long when things are going great. But in that moment, somebody cuts you off and it's like, ah, man, I've got a choice. Peter was about to be faced with a choice. Are you going to own truth? Are you going to put it in your cart? Are you just going to read about it? Here's what happened. Breaking news. Gentiles are in. Very next verse, chapter, uh, verse 2, chapter 11, Acts. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the familiar, the circumcised believers. Let me define that. These were the Jewish people who had become followers and believers in Christ. Now, this is a topic we're going to get in today. I don't know about you, but it's not, a, it's not a topic I talk about a lot. I didn't have coffee in this week with anybody and say, hey, how are the kids? Good. Nice. How's the job going? Good. What do you think about circumcision? I mean, you know, <laughs> honestly, it's just not, you know, something we don't talk about. So don't get lost in like, wow, that's a weird, you know, topic to talk about. For them, what it represented was this is the way they did it. This is the way that they said, I'm in. I'm, I'm with God. I'm, we, they were required as Jewish people to go through the ritual of circumcision, and that was a covenant for them. Christ comes along and says, hey, don't know if you caught it yet, but I'm changing things up. You can't be saved by the water of baptism. You can't be saved. Somebody emailed me this week and says, can't you be saved by, the, by being baptized? I'm like, no. If you could be saved by water, they'd be selling it at Walmart for a high price. <laughs> Nothing can match the blood of Christ. Period. That's it. So these guys were saying, oh, no, you need something else. So the circumcised believers, Jewish people who had become Christians, watch this. They criticized Peter. And they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. How dare you? You can't change like that. Right in, we're in Jerusalem. Don't you know how we do it in Jerusalem? You see, the things that we, on a personal level, we're so used to. 
we're so accustomed to. Oh, I worry all the time. I just worry, I worry, I worry, I worry, I worry. That's, oh, that's because that's part of you. Now God comes along and says, you know the truth, right? Rest in me. Cast all your cares. I mean, there's a different, a million verses. Now God says, okay, you're laying awake at night. Apply it. Click add to cart. What are the things when you, when you look at this that uh, I, I was thinking, man, what, what is it about us when it comes to that moment that's so hard, so difficult for us to click it, to click by, to click apply, to put it into our lives? Sometimes it's, I mean, let's just be honest, sometimes it's, it's laziness. There are things that I, I know God wants me to do, but I'm too darn lazy to do it. I'm just being up front with you. You think, oh, is that a metaphor? Uh-uh, that's a reality. <laughs> <laughs> There's sometimes a, a, a fear gets in the way. Man, I, I know that, boy, they're talking about this one-to-one thing. Boy, it freaks me out. Good, it freaks me out too. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know how it's going to turn out either. Sometimes we feel inadequate. God wants us to do something. He's calling us to do something. I could never go to the youth and help out. Good grief. I don't have anything to give. Are you kidding? You've got something to give. God values you. He values you. You have great value. Gosh, I've only been a Christian 23 years. I don't know if I've got anything to give. But sometimes our, our, we fake ourselves out and think, oh, I'm not inadequate. God's like, oh, no, 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 no. You'll never add to cart if you think, if you believe that. And now what's happening here is that God is saying, look, you're going to be faced with criticism. You're going to be faced with some tension. Anytime there's change, there's tension. In fact, we're told in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17, these words, apply your heart to what I teach. Seems so easy, doesn't it? But then God, Solomon, who, who's writing this, God through Solomon, have I not written excellent sayings for you? Sayings of counsel, of knowledge, teaching you true and reliable words? You see, if you, if you miss, miss it all, don't miss this thing. Don't miss this. It is possible for us to live in revealed truth the rest of our life and never change. It is possible for us to be under the impression that because we talk a lot about it, we talk about this and that and the other, or man, I, I want to change, that I'm actually changing. If we go to the Amazon trail again, up here in the right corner, I've circled two words, wish list. You see, my wish list, I don't know if you don't know what a wish list is. That means I'm looking around the Amazon, like I look at this book, I'm like, hey, it looks kind of a cool book. I, th- I think I'll buy it, but I think I'll buy it later. I'm not going to buy it now. I'm not going to commit to it now because that's a little too expensive. It's a little too costly. Or I don't know if I like the book. I'm kind of afraid of the book. Whatever those things are that comes in in that moment of tension, but I'm not going to buy it now. I got to tell you what. On Amazon, in my account, my wish list starts from about here and goes down to my ankle. I got two million books on my wish list. And I, I'm always rearranging them like when I can afford the next one, you know, and I'll just I'll put that on the top of the list. I'm just my wish list is like going all over the place. And there's sometimes in life where God says, Oh, you gotta take one item out of that wish list. The one item I'm trying to talk to you about. And you gotta take it out of the wish list. And click buy so that you can apply it to your life. You've got to own it. We can live the rest of our lives with a wish list. And at the end of time, God will say, you never bought it. You never dug into it. As a church, now let me talk collectively. As a church, I've, I'm just being straight up with you. I got to the point, you say, why did you plant a church called 360 because I got burned out about talking about doing it. I came to the end of the rope of a wish list. Are we going to do it? Are we going to talk about doing it? Because if you talk about doing it and if you actually do it, trust me, there's tension. There's Jerusalem. Like, no, this is the way we do it. You can't shake it up. I'm like, oh yeah, I can. Because I clicked add to cart. See, God is calling our church 
God is calling you individually, whatever He's dealing with in your life. Like, man, I've been dealing with this junk. Don't you ever get tired of things on your wish list? I mean, don't you get tired of like, ah, I've been wanting to change that for who knows. I've been worrying for, jeez, God, just click it, click it, take the next step, apply it. Now watch this. Here's what happened. When you begin to purchase something on Amazon, we make a move from universal to personal. Amazon goes like this. Now I decided to add to cart. Now it's beyond, here's what the book is about, and here's what 20 million people think about the book. It's your turn. You see, God's saying, okay, you added it to cart, right? You're going to buy it, right? It's going to cost you something. Now watch this. You can sign as a new customer or you can sign in as a returning customer. I happen to be a returning customer, a very returning customer. But if you're going to sign in, watch. It says enter, watch, your email. God can't change you through me. God has to say, it's your turn. Or if I'm a returning customer, uh, you got to put in my password, not your password. Then once I get past that, it's my credit card number. It's my mailing address. It's my email, not yours. God has come to me and say, look, if, if, you, if you do this, it's got to be personal. Now watch. Here's the good news. Once you become a returning, you can always check out as a new customer. But once you become a member, once you say, man, I'm going to go in and I'm going to create my own username. I'm going deep in this app, class. You know what you get? Are you ready? You know what you get? Coupons. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now, if you know me, I'm all about coupons. You get coupons. You get email alerts. You get all their benefits. uh, uh, Coupons abound. I mean, you got your Groupons, your living socials. I mean, all those things. I don't know that I ever go anywhere without a Groupon. Honestly, you know, it's almost like my family got the Groupon, right? I mean, we don't say where are we going. The the Groupon tells us where to go. Watch what happens. (laughs) See, they were so, these believers, these early believers, these Jewish people, these Jewish guys who had become Christians, they were so familiar in Jerusalem. But at the same time, God could see those Gentiles who desperately, like you do, needed a Savior. At the same time, all they could see is what they loved about their Jerusalem. That's all they could see. I love those Acts 2 dinners that we always do. I love them. And God had said, yes, but there is an Antioch. There's an Antioch. And you may not be able to see it in the enclosed familiarity of where you're at. But I can see in full vision Antioch. You may be comfortable in your own personal wish list, but God is saying, oh, if you take that item of greed out and click apply, what I could do with you, what I could do with you, all the holy coupons that would roll into your inbox from God. Watch what happens. They were holed up in Jerusalem. Now watch this. They would do what exactly what we would do. Things started going great in Jerusalem. Guess what they did? They stayed. They stayed. Familiarity. Listen. Familiarity is something that can chain us for the rest of our lives. And so God says, I see that you're not moving out. I'm going to have to move you. I'm going to have to shake you guys up. And that's exactly what he did. And so he put someone on the chopping block. His name was Stephen. And Stephen became the first martyr. And it scattered everybody into the world. Everybody thought, oh, this is, oh, this is awful. God was saying, oh, this is awfully good. This is wonderful. 
I'm scooching you out of your familiarity. You see, when I come across someone that's so familiar with Jerusalem, familiar with their own personal ways or familiar with the ways that church has always been done, I give them a lot of concession. I do as a pastor. I urge them. I talk to them. I encourage them. I challenge them to move because Antioch has coupons. Antioch has such an opening. But I understand that so many of us have come from years and years of familiar ways of doing things. But you got to understand, people are dying in Antioch. So watch what happens. They were scattered, Acts chapter 11. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen's death, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message... Only to the Jews. Do you ever feel sorry for God? (laughs) Honestly. I mean, even in your own life. Like, okay, Steve, try it this way. Try it this way. Here's another message. I got you. I got you. You know, try this way. I'm only going to tell the Jews. Oh, come on, man. Somebody last week was telling me about some sports NFL guy that, uh, you know who I'm talking about, sports people, that he reviews plays, and when somebody screws it up, they go, oh, come on, man. Do you know that show? Uh, Okay. Hey, good. I feel good. I've said something in sports that I know something about. I can make it up now. Well, uh, Lon Johnson, uh, number 42. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, come on, man. After all that God had done, after all that God has said, all that, all that God has revealed, they're now, they're going to Antioch. God's like, yay, I scattered you. I had to do it a hard way. But And we're only telling the Jews. Like, oh, my goodness, don't you feel sorry for God. If you don't feel sorry for God, at least feel sorry for me, would you? I mean, need a little help up here. Now watch this. Some of them, watch, this word is powerful. Some of them, however, oh, thank God for however people. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Heads up, here come some coupons. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord because they were however people. They were like, I know. I know you're familiar with that. I know that's the way you do it. I know that's what you're telling us to do. However, God has called us. It's a young pastor in North Carolina. He's on the other end of my phone these days. He's in a church that's never done small groups. It's only been classrooms. He's noticed that there's no relational element in his church. He said, Steve, what do I do? I said, start something that's relationally intentional. Head over heels with the concept of discipleship, but start with small groups first. He said, what can I expect? I said, are you adverse to cussing? When you move from Jerusalem to Antioch, you can expect you know what to break loose. So watch. Peter comes and they're opposing him. His moment to click add to cart. Now Paul enters the picture and Paul sees that Peter is taking something out of his cart and putting it back in his wish list. And he faces off Paul, facing off with Peter. It's like a heavyweight boxing championship in Vegas. The big boys coming together. Watch what happens. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul's writing this. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him, Paul said, to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, file that name, James was causing some problems, said, no, we got to do it the, Gen- the, the Jerusalem way. He used to eat with Gentiles. Peter was eating with Gentiles. He had broken through the change. 
But when they arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Watch. Because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. You see, Paul said, I got I to gotta be true small circle to you, dude. You know better. You know better. God's called us out. You know better. And, and it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12 when, when we read this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. When Paul was up in Peter's grill, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, they were having coffee. No, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, watch, it produces coupons. A harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Watch. Make level your path for your feet so that the lame will not be disabled, rather healed. Isn't that an interesting thing? See, he was seeing uh, uh, Peter as like, man, you, you got this lameness that's happening, but you're not disabled. You're not down yet. There's a chance. See, all of us are lame in one area, but God would say, you're not disabled. You're not down for the count. I can still use you. Don't give up. Don't be freaked out. Don't be afraid. Don't be stubborn. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be fill in the blank. Whatever God is filling in, you're a blank. We talk about being filled with the Spirit. God wants to fill in a blank sometimes. That just came to me. I thought that was pretty good, didn't you? Jeez. And Paul understood that if Peter was freaking out and retreating and taking things out of his wish list, or out of his card, put in his wish list, that it would affect other people. What is it that you're not willing to hit the application button that is affecting other people? How did it affect people? Watch this. Galatians 2.13, the other Jews joined Peter in his hypocrisy. So that in their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Don't think for a second that your, your, uh, our uh, embracing of Jerusalem doesn't affect other people. We have to, we have to, have to own it. Now watch. Finally, I want to say this to you. When you finally come to the end page here and you've done your transaction, there's a line up here that you may not be able to read, but it says, you purchased this item on August 27, 2013. I own that book. You know what I can do because I own that book? I can loan that book. If you own it, you can loan it. This week, I'm working on my boys' rooms. I'm getting the rooms ready by ripping out the carpet, the old carpet, so these guys can come in and lay down new flooring. Okay, for those of you that know me, any tool in the hands of Steve equals dangerous, <laughs> especially if a razor is involved. So I had this little, I'm cutting up the carpet, and I've got this little box cutter that's that's not sufficient for the job. And I'm like going about an inch every two or three minutes, literally. And my hand is wearing out after about, you know, three inches, right? So I'm at my act group and I say, uh, hey, uh, Mike, um, trying to cut carpet out. He says, oh, with a box cutter. Oh, no, come to my truck. Went to his truck, said, here it is. It's like you could almost feel sunlight coming down. Oh. The deluxe rug cutter, you know, the grip, like the grip where your fingers come in. I mean, I just felt like cutting a lot of stuff. I didn't mean to let me cut your truck. No. So I said, okay, I'll go to Home Depot and buy mine because he uses it in his business all the time. I'll go, you know, I'll do that. So then I got home and recognized that somebody had put this little strip around the room called a tack strip and they nailed it to the cement. If I were putting it down, I would have taped it, you know, so you can get up later. No, but they nailed the sucker to there. So now I've got this little teeny um, uh, screwdriver and a little teeny hammer trying to get the thing up. I'm like, Mike, this is not working. He said, oh, yeah, well, you need this thing. It looks like a crowbar type deal. I'm like, well, tell me what it is. I'll go and buy it. He said, oh, no, you don't have to. I've got three, and I don't use them all. I'll tell you what I do. You can loan it from me. You know why I was able to loan it from him? Because he owned it first. 
So he comes over to my house. He says, hey, I'm driving by. I'll drop it off your house. He saw my hammer. He called it a girl hammer. <laughs> and he promised that he wouldn't tell the other guys in my act group that I had a hammer that size. So he lends me this big hammer. I'm like, dude, I could like knock my front tooth out with that sucker. And boy, did I get it. You know, everything came up and everything works so much better. But the only way I could do it is because I loaned it because he owned it. Listen, the only way that we can give what is in us away is if we own it. I can't treat my wife like dirt and teach you how to treat your wife. I don't own it. I can't loan it. I can't share it. I can't let you borrow that. That's why in our church we say our leaders, they understand not just tithing, they understand the joy of tithing. If you're going to lead, why? Because it's about romance. Jesus said where your heart is, your treasure is, and you can give that away. I remind you the words of Will Mancini. Will Mancini said these, we can teach what we know, information, but we can only reproduce who we are, application. You see, we talk, we're talking to disciple makers now and say, hey, here's some things. You've got to have a walk with God. You've got to love Him. Now, that's not perfect. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's, that's an excuse. But you've got to have a walk with God where you're like, man, I, I'm, I, I have my own things that you're changing, but I'm with you. You've got to be able to say, man, I'm, I'm tithing with joy. I'm walking. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm memorizing. Why? Because if you don't own it, say it with me. Yeah, what was that commercial about the chicken rotisserie? You remember that? What was that? Set it and forget it. This will be our new little thing. If you don't own it, you can't loan it. You got it. Now watch what happens. I want, you, I want to close with this. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but it, 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 it um, shares with us what's going on. Watch. Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 5. Here comes the moment. Because everybody's going to have a moment. I have many moments as the pastor of this church. If I'm going to have the courage to lead us to where I think God wants us to go and not retreat to Jerusalem. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, the religious folks, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. In other words, this is the way we've always done it, and you're going to do it this way. Peter's moment. Is he going to take the information he knows and apply it or not? Verse 7, after much discussion, Peter got up. Boy, I love the small words of the Bible. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Peter got up and he addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he had accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. Yo, just as he did to us. Now watch. He made no distinction between us and them. For he purified their hearts by faith. We believe, Peter, with great courage. We believe that it is through grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Click by owned. The reason that he could share that is because he owned it. And had he not owned it, he could not have shared it. He could not have given it out. Watch this. Verse 12. The whole assembly became silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling stories. You see, you can't change stories. There, there are people sitting in this room when I hear the stories of what God's doing. I'm like, wow, you can't refute that. Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finish, watch, James, 
the guy that had caused all the problems in the past changed. It was James who spoke up and said, brothers, listen to me. Peter's described to us how God has first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And I'm telling you, it's a coupon day in heaven. James, the one that was blocking what God wanted to do, said, Wow, I got it. Click, add to cart, password, email, address. I own it. Now just think, just think what happened for those around James. Changed them. I promise you. This was a guy who was stuck in Jerusalem. Now he's changed. Just imagine what God could do with you if you just click to apply. With whatever chapter, whatever thing he's trying to take out of your wish list, think about that. Don't just think about yourself and how better of a person. That's an added coupon. But think about who you would impact if you only clicked. Think about the impact. Listen, because I know we think personally a lot, but think collectively. Raise your minds. Raise your mind. Sorry. (laughs) Think collectively for a minute. If as a church, we hold the line. Oh, the impact. Oh, the impact. Don't cave. Don't cave. We've had plenty of years to prove what has not worked. We've had plenty of years to prove what has not worked. And it's very familiar in Jerusalem. I call you today to click, to own, and to go to Antioch for the coupons alone. Because in Matthew 25, we're, re- we're reminded that Jesus will say, Hey, well done good and faithful servant. You've been, few, you've been faithful with this little move right here on the train track. I'm going to move you ahead and do greater things now. You know, in a game of baseball, by the way, if you hit a triple, you have to tag every base. You can't skip one. We can't skip this step of applying truth to our life. Finally, I close today with the gospel according to Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi said this, contrary to the opinion of many people, leaders are not born. Leaders are made. Leaders are made. And they are made by effort and hard work. I would promote to you that none of us come into this world ready, changed. It takes hard work. It takes effort. No church, no church can get where God wants them to go without hard effort. And that hard effort is holding the line and saying, we are destined to accomplish what God has. What is it that's in your wish list today that God is asking you to simply click and buy? Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for revealing to us truth But you're well aware, God, that it means nothing unless we own it, unless we personally apply it. It will remain wonderful, revealed truth, dormant, unless we take it from our wish list to actually buying in. Father, that's going to require for us a cost. It's going to require for us a personal change. It's going to require for us to let go of the comfort and the familiarity of Jerusalem. God, we cannot have both. We cannot have Jerusalem and Antioch. We can't have our old ways and our new ways. I'm convinced, God, by the stories 
of what I've seen and witnessed. I'm convinced, God, by your word. I'm convinced, God, by your faithfulness and consistency, perfect in nature, that if we are just to to remove one item out of our wish list and own it, you're ready to open up the door for more. And not until then. I know that sitting in this room, God, you are speaking and ringing doorbells and touching and moving in those things, sometimes those one that one thing in our lives that you're trying to say, I want that to move from a wish to a buy. So I pray, God, for this room, for whatever is standing in the way, a sense of inadequacy, fear, stubbornness, familiarity, whatever that thing is, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will tackle it, will bring it to the ground and allow us the courage, the fortitude to click, to own. Sometimes a simple move, but a costly move. I pray, God, beyond the personal level, I pray for this church. I pray, God, that you will keep us in line with where you have put on the hearts of the leaders of this church, the people of this church, the staff of this church. God, I pray, God, that you would keep us heading toward the direction that you've so clearly shown us, that we will not acquiesce and surrender and retreat to Jerusalem, to the familiar ways of doing church. Because, God, there are some of us that our hearts are broken at the outcome of the familiarity of Jerusalem. And we can no longer take it. I pray for courage. I pray, Father, finally, for those sitting in this room that in their wish list is Christ himself. That That for whatever reason, Christ keeps getting put off that in the, the sense of who they are, the bottom of their hearts, the, their inner self, there are people sitting here that know they need Christ, but he's in a wish list. I pray today, God, that they will click to apply Christ's salvation, the gift on the cross to their lives. Whatever the cost whatever the courage required. And then, Father, help us to recognize that in all these things, that if we would simply click, there are holy coupons. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.